gentlemen, make your way back to your seats. Sorry to cut it off so quickly. Hopefully we'll get that fixed. There we go. Sorry to cut it off. We want to be out by 1 o'clock. So we got to get going. Hey, uh, if you are a guest with us this morning, I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. Uh, my name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here, and we are grateful and thankful uh, that you are here with us this morning. Uh, this morning, we are starting a new series on the book of Philippians. Yep, let's get that. Whoop, whoop. Let's, get, uh, let's get our Bibles out. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat in front of you. The verses will eventually be on the screen as well. Philippians chapter 1. Let's start reading together in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, we once again come before you and ask that you would lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit as we submit ourselves to the authority of your word. Father, we're grateful and thankful that you have revealed yourself to us, that you have spoken uh, to us this morning through your word. And so we ask for your help. We ask that you will give us ears to hear. We ask that you will give us eyes to see the truth of who you are. And that as a result of seeing the truth of who you are and, and, and the things that you call us to this morning, that we would take those and that we would apply them to our lives and that we would be changed by who you are and what you call us to this morning. So Father, we ask that you would have your way with us, that your spirit would lead us and guide us. We submit all things to you as we look at your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So sometime between the years of 59 to 61 AD, there was a guy by the name of Paul who was arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was in the city of Jerusalem and he was preaching to the Jewish people that Jesus Christ, whom they crucified, is the Messiah. So in other words, he was telling the people 
of Jerusalem, the Jewish people, that Jesus Christ is the promised Savior and he is the promised King that the Jewish people had long been waiting for. Now, many of the Jewish people living in the city of Jerusalem did not like this news about Jesus. In fact, it is the very news that Jesus proclaimed about himself that caused them to crucify Jesus. And so they hated this news that Jesus is the promised Savior and King. And they hated anyone who continued to, to promote this message and this news that Jesus is the Savior and King. And so here you have Paul arrested and he is put in prison. Now it's ironic that Paul was arrested and put in prison for proclaiming this news about Jesus. Because at one point in his life, Paul himself was a persecutor of those who promoted this news about Jesus. And he went throughout the city of Jerusalem and he was throwing men and women who promoted the news that Jesus is the Savior and King. He took them and he put them in prison. But as we see in the book of Acts chapter 8 that Paul was on his way to a city called Damascus in Syria and he was on his way to persecute the followers of Jesus, or as he said, the way of Jesus, and he was going to throw them in prison, and Jesus himself met him on the road and radically converted this man named Paul to Christ. And so here he is, one who used to persecute the church, and now he is being persecuted, and he's put in prison for promoting this news that Jesus is the Savior and King. And so this man named Paul is the author of the book of Philippians. And so he is writing this letter from prison. Now he was taken from Jerusalem and he is now in Rome writing this, uh, this letter. But he's writing to saints in Christ and deacons and, and overseers or elders in the church in the city of Philippi. Now for us to understand... Really, the, the heart of this letter of Philippians, we have to understand this relationship that Paul had with these saints in Christ in the city of Philippi. Because that's what we're going to see as we move throughout this letter, and as we've seen in the first 11 verses of this letter, it is full of love, it is full of joy, it is full of deep affection that Paul has for these saints unlike any other letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament. But why? Why did these saints in Christ bring Paul so much joy? Why does he have this deep affection for them that he says in verse 8 that he yearns for them with the affection of Christ Jesus? Why did Paul love these saints in Christ in the city of Philippi so much? Well, it's because Paul was used by God 10 years earlier to bring many of these saints to faith in Christ. So in other words, Paul planted the gospel in the city of Philippi, and as a result of planting the gospel in the city of uh, uh, Philippi, this church was planted. And so many of these saints that are in this church, it was through Paul that God used to bring them into salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so now, here he is in prison, and he begins to think about these saints that he so deeply, deeply loved. And he is writing to not only 
to express his affection and, and, and love and joy for them, but he's writing to thank them for partnering with him in the advancement of the gospel. Because as we're going to see as we move along in chapter 4, it, were the, it was the saints who sent Paul, this guy by the name of Epaphroditus. Can you say that ten times? Epaphroditus. To care for him while he's in prison. And so there is this deep, deep, deep mutual love and affection for each other. And Paul is waiting in prison for the verdict. Is he going to have life or is he going to have death? So he's writing essentially maybe one of the last letters that he is able to write to these dear saints in the city of Philippi. He doesn't know if he's going to live much longer. And so it's really, really important for us as we start this series to look at who these saints were. And, 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 and the cool thing is, is that we don't have to guess. All right, we don't have to guess who many of these saints were. We actually get their names and we get their stories. We see how God used Paul to plant the gospel in the city of Philippi, to start the first church in Europe, and to, and to extend and advance the gospel into the heart of many of these believers. And we get to, to see this, and we get to hear the stories and see the names in Acts chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, let's go there. Let's go to chapter 16 of Acts, and this is what we're going to see. We're, we're going to see how the gospel of Jesus Christ advances in this world. All right, so we're going to see how it advances in the city of Philippi. We're going to see how it advances in the city of Norman. And we're going to see how the gospel produces this love and affection for us, for each other, among us, like anything else in this world. All right? So let's look at the stories of these guys, of these ladies who were brought into the church in Philippi. So Acts chapter 16. All right, starting in verse 6. We see this amazing picture of how the Spirit of Jesus led Paul and Timothy to the city of Philippi. Now, the way in which the Spirit of Jesus led them to the city of Philippi is truly miraculous. Because you see, Paul and Timothy, along with Silas and Luke, they had this desire uh, to take the gospel to Asia, to the city called Bithynia. But we're told in verse 6, what happens? The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to. Okay? So, the Spirit of Jesus prevented them to take the gospel to Asia, and instead, Paul had a vision. All right, so he had a vision of a man from, from Macedonia, which is the region where the city of Philippi is located. And in this vision, a man was standing there, and he says to Paul, he says, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul knew that this was not just any dream, that this is not just any vision, but it was the Lord himself calling them to not go to Asia, but calling them to take the gospel to Macedonia, to the people of the city of Philippi. And so Paul and Timothy, they immediately left. And they went to the city of Philippi. Why? Because they knew that it was the Lord himself calling them to take the gospel to the city of Philippi. Guys, isn't this absolutely remarkable? Isn't it amazing? I mean, the way in which God 
leads us and guides us and directs us. As he directs them, he directs us to where he wants us to go and to do whatever he wants us to do for the purpose of advancing the gospel in this city, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, on the campus of OU. Listen very carefully. Don't be surprised or discouraged if you experience doors shutting in your life. Because as we see clearly, God leads us and he directs us and he guides us by shutting doors and opening new ones. The shutting and opening of doors is part of God's sovereign plan in your life to accomplish his purposes of advancing the gospel through your life into the lives of other people all around you. When Shanae and I, my wife, we got back from China, we went to China for the purpose of advancing the gospel to unreached peoples in China. When we got back, we, we knew that uh, we were supposed to go to seminary. And so the, the Lord opened the door for us to go to seminary, to be equipped and trained to be sent back out to China or some other unreached place. And so we were there for three years. And as uh, the time came for us to, to graduate, we started looking for ways for us to go uh, overseas. And so we started applying for all of these mission-sending organizations. But as we were applying, all the doors shut. And I couldn't understand why. I found myself saying, Lord, why are you closing all these doors? I mean, wasn't it your will and purpose for us to go to seminary to be equipped and trained to send us back over to an unreached place to share the gospel? I mean, don't you want the people in China who have never heard to hear the gospel? Why are you shutting all these doors? And so as we continued through this, I couldn't understand why, and I didn't handle it very well. So we were heading back to Oklahoma because that was the only door that was opened, and we didn't really understand why we were going back, but we, uh, we were heading back, and as we were on our way back, we had really no direction, no job, and our car broke down, and so did I. So here we are in the Mojave Desert, and our Volvo just broke down. So we had to spend like two days in Bakersfield, California, in a hojo, Howard Johnson, that was just in the middle of nowhere, literally in the desert. So we got the car back going, and we're on our way home. I was driving, and I had this panic attack. All right, so my left arm starts going numb. We had no direction, no job, our cars were breaking down, our pets' heads were falling off, right? So we're on our way, my gracious wife starts kind of yelling at me, tells me to pull over. She drives all night long while I'm like curled up in the fetal position in the passenger seat. All right, I couldn't take it. And I didn't understand why until two years later. The Lord opened the door actually for, for us to, to send people uh, to unreached places through a sports organization, which we were so thankful to be a part of. But within two years of that, I had, an, I had a vision. The Lord came to me one night and he woke me up and he said, feed my sheep. He said, preach my gospel. And so for two years after that, we were like, Lord, Lord, who do you want us to go to? Who do you want us to feed? Who do you want us to, to, to plant the gospel uh, in the city of people too? And he led us to you. He led us 
to the city of Norman. Out of all places, it was not a coincidence that all the doors shut, which led us into the city of Norman to plant the gospel in this city and to help us together grow in our love for Jesus and the gospel. It wasn't coincidence. He shut the door, opened the door, which has led us together. So guys, the point of this is this. Like Paul and Timothy, we always, always, always need to be ready and willing to follow the Holy Spirit wherever he takes us. And we have to understand that he can and he does change your direction at any time. So listen, don't spend so much time planning the next 10 years of your life, right? Don't wait to follow Jesus when the time is right and maybe the next season of your life. God has you right where he has you. Why? To plant the gospel in the hearts of people all around you. Today, tomorrow, this week, not not 10 years from now, because look at your life. There are people all in your life who may not be saying this to you. They may not be verbalizing, but it's the same desire. It is the same need that this man in this vision is saying. People all around you are saying, come, help me. I'm, I'm lonely. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. You have people all around you that God has planted you in. That they've planted, that God has planted you all around them in in, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, on campus. People all around you who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He has opened the doors to place you and put you wherever he has you for that purpose of advancing his kingdom, advancing the gospel in where he has you today. See it as that. That he has you where he has you for the purpose of advancing the gospel. Do you believe that God wants to use you? Do you believe that he can use you? Or maybe you've lost hope in that. Do you, do you believe that God still uh, opens doors and leads you and guides you to people who, who need to hear the gospel? Or maybe he doesn't uh, use people like you and me, right? Maybe it's just people like Paul. The news is, the truth is, is that he continues to use you and me today to plant the gospel in the hearts of people all around us. How do we know this? How do, how do we know that he sends us to people? And as he sends us to people, he is the one who gives eyes to see and causes them to believe. Well, let's continue in the story. Let's see what happens next. Verse 13, okay? Look at it. So when Paul and Timothy, when they arrive in the city of Philippi, they find a group of women having a little prayer meeting and a Bible study, okay? And so we're told that one of these ladies was a worshiper of God, which means that she was a worshiper of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so uh, there's good reason to believe that she was a Gentile who converted to Judaism. And her name was Lydia. Now, Lydia was also this wealthy businesswoman who sold expensive purple fabric. And so she was more like maybe the CEO of Gucci, all right? So she was this converted uh, Jew, and she was also this wealthy businesswoman who was a fashionista. Now, Paul and his boys approach him. And as they uh, approach them, guess what happens? 
The first church in Europe was formed in this small group of women at this Bible study. The first church in Europe. Paul began to explain who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that the Old Testament pointed to. And as Lydia was hearing all of this truth about Jesus, we are told in verse 13 that it was the Lord that opened her heart to believe. And not only her, but through her, her whole household came to faith in Jesus Christ, was saved, and they were baptized. Guys, don't miss what's happening here. Don't miss the picture. The door, the Lord shut, led to this open door, which led him to open the heart of this woman named Lydia. Don't, don't, don't miss the amazing love and the amazing grace that God had for this woman named Lydia. I mean, the vision that, that, that God gave Paul was for her. Out of all the women, out of all the women in the city of Philippi, God came to her through Paul. And God spoke to her through Paul. And God opened her heart to receive and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. The vision, the messenger, all of it was part of God's loving and sovereign plan to save Lydia. And the same goes for you. And the same goes for me. If you are in Christ this morning. You see, just like Lydia, God came to you through someone. And he spoke to you the words of life and salvation through them. And he opened your heart to believe and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, which brought you into an everlasting relationship with him. It wasn't a coincidence. It was not a coincidence that someone came into your life to share the news of who Jesus is. And it wasn't fate that brought someone into your life. Who was it? It was the God, the maker of the heavens and the earth that sought you and saved you. That's who it was. Like Lydia, you woke up one morning. You were lost and hopeless in this world, but what happened? You went to bed, redeemed, forgiven, beloved child of God. Why? All because God met you at some women's Bible study. Or met you in a coffee shop. Or met you in your home. Or met you in a church service. Or met you at some youth church conference. And he spoke to you. And he opened your heart to believe and receive the truth of the gospel. It was God's doing. And so be encouraged by this. Because as we see in verse 6 in, in Philippians chapter 1, that, that, that God will continue the work that he started within you. That if God opens your heart to believe, he will continue the work, the good work of, of seeing it to completion. That he will keep you and save you until the end. It's all his doing. And so this is really, really good news for us because it, is, it, it tells us that it is God who seeks and saves. And it's good news for us as we think about taking the gospel outside these walls into the city of Norman because it is God who continues to seek and save today, this morning. That's what we pray for as people come into this place. Who may come in as, as Lydia with no understanding of who Jesus is. You come into this place and you hear the truth of the gospel. And boom, it's God who opens your eyes to see and believe and receive the truth of the gospel. And as you take the gospel out, 
This is your confidence. This is your assurance. That as you leave this place, our confidence is found that it's God who opens the hearts of people to believe. And so this is really good news. Why? Because it doesn't matter the condition of someone's heart to believe the truth of the gospel. It doesn't matter how hard a heart is. It doesn't matter how cold a heart is. It doesn't matter how dead a heart is. Why? Because it's God who opens hearts. It's God who, who melts icy hearts. It's, it's, it's God who, who speaks life and gives life to dead hearts. It's God who breaks hearts of stone. It's God who enables people to see and believe and, and receive the truth of the gospel. And so it doesn't, and God doesn't, doesn't open the hearts based on who you are. He doesn't open the heart of one particular kind of person. How do we know this? Well, let's continue the story. Verse 16. Paul and his boys, they leave uh, the prayer meeting. And uh, they uh, are met by a girl who works for the local fortune-telling shop. Okay, now... Evidently, this girl was uh, really, really good at her job because she made her bosses a, a, a ton of money. And so uh, she, they met, and this girl starts following them around the city for days, all right? So, so they meet her, she follows them, and uh, she's not just following them. As she follows them, she is like screaming at the top of her lungs, hey, everyone. You see these guys? They are servants of the Most High God. And they proclaim to you the way of salvation. So for days, this, this possessed, demonic, uh, crazy girl is following them, just like proclaiming uh, the truth and exposing who Paul and these guys are, that they are servants of the Most High God, that they proclaim the way of salvation. I mean, picture this. Imagine if you and some of your friends were walking down Campus Corner or you were heading to the football game and you were, you were, you were passing through thousands of people uh, tailgating and all of a sudden this girl starts following you and she starts saying, hey everyone, you see these people? They are servants of the Most High God and they proclaim the, the way of salvation. I mean, how crazy would that be? I mean, what are you gonna do? Like pretend like she's not there? Hey, how you doing? Like, don't, don't listen to this crazy lady. You, but finally, you, you would become so annoyed. Like for days, this, this, this girl is following you and she won't shut up. And so we're told that, that Paul finally gets so annoyed that he turns to her and he speaks to the spirit within her and he says to this demonic spirit inside of her, he says, I command you. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and boom, she's rescued. She's liberated. She's free. By the power of Jesus Christ, who has the authority over all things, including all spiritual forces, this slave girl who was possessed by this demonic spirit is liberated, set free, and now the church in Philippi is made up of Beth Moore going Bible study ladies, right? And now an ex-possessed fortune teller. I mean, this is crazy stuff, right? Well, the crazy continues. So, 
the bosses of this lady uh, get really mad because now they're going bankrupt. Uh, she can't do her business anymore, right? Uh, and so uh, these guys come and they take Paul and Silas. They drag them uh, through the marketplace and they take them to the city officials and they, they say, hey, these guys are, are disturbing the peace of the city. And so for some crazy reason, uh, the officials and these men and a crowd, they start beating Paul and Silas with rods, okay? They start beating them up and then they throw them into prison. Now, imagine you being in the shoes of Paul and Silas. How would you respond? I mean, you just, you just were being faithful in proclaiming the truth of the gospel to this, this uh, fortune-telling girl, right? You're being faithful, and as a result, you're beaten, and you're thrown into prison. What would you do while you're in prison? Well, we're told that Paul and Silas began praying, and they broke out into singing hymns. And so they began rejoicing, and they broke out in, in Christ alone. Not that they had that then, but you get the point. They start singing. They start rejoicing. They start worshiping. And, and all the prisoners were listening in. All right? All the prisoners were, were, were listening in. That In the midst of their suffering, in the midst of this persecution, they were still rejoicing and they were worshiping while they were beaten and thrown into prison. How could they do this? How were they able to rejoice in the midst of suffering? We're going to see this more in the coming weeks. But the reason they were able to do this is because at the end of the day, Christian joy does not come from pleasurable experiences or circumstances. Christian joy comes from knowing and having Christ. You see, think about this. If your source of true joy is in Christ, then no matter what circumstances you are in, nothing can take your joy from you. Nothing. And so even in prison, Paul and Silas were able to rejoice. Why? Because they still had Christ. And no amount of beatings and no amount of imprisonments and, and, and not even death itself, as we're going to see in a couple weeks, not even death itself could take away this joy because as we're going to see to, to Paul, death itself was actually going to be the door to receive his greatest joy because he says to be with Christ is far better than anything this world has to offer. So even death itself is the entrance or the door to receive our greatest treasure or our greatest source of joy, which is Christ himself. And so just like Paul and, and Silas, we too as followers of Jesus today are still able to rejoice in the midst of our, our suffering, in the midst of difficult circumstances. Why? Because our circumstances are not what gives us joy. It's Christ. And so no matter what we go through, and no matter if we taste death itself, which one day we're all going to taste, the question is, do you see death as the entrance or the door that's going to lead you to your greatest joy, and that is Christ? That's what Paul had, and that's what we have too. And when we see Jesus as our greatest source of joy, and we're able to walk in the midst of suffering and still be able to rejoice. You know what that does? 
That is this powerful testimony to the, to the world outside of us that looks on to our suffering and says, you know what, I want what they have because I don't have that. I'm not able to respond to the suffering and the difficult circumstances in my life like they do. Why do they do that? Well, let's look. Let's continue on. Verse 25. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and everyone heard them, including this jailer, all right? So they're in prison. The jailer, uh, there's this jailer who's guarding them, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, right, like there is this earthquake. Pretty crazy, huh? Coincidental? I don't think so. They're in prison, earthquake, doors open up, right? So, so here it is, uh, in prison, doors open up, and the jailer sees what happens. He knows that the, the doors are now open, and knows he, now he is in trouble. Why? Well, it's his job to protect and make sure that the prisoners don't escape. Well, he sees the doors open. He knows that the prisoners are going to, 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 to run out of the, uh, the prison. And I guess he loves his job more than he loves his own life because he takes out a sword and he's about to take his own life because he knows everyone's going to escape and he's going to be held responsible. But Paul and Silas, they stay. They don't go anywhere. And Paul yells at the jailer. He says, don't harm yourself. We are still here. We didn't leave. We, we, we stayed. And the jailer was absolutely amazed that he didn't leave. And so they, he puts up his sword. And through them staying and through them rejoicing in the midst of suffering, this jailer says, I want what you got. He says to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so that night, through Paul and Silas staying and through, through the rejoicing in the midst of suffering, this jailer who was about to end his life found everlasting life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the jailer brought him home. And as he brought them home, Paul and Silas continued to preach the gospel to him and to his family, and he and his whole family came to faith in Jesus Christ, and they began to take care of Paul and Silas. They cleaned his wounds. They ate together, and we're told at the very end of this that they rejoiced together because of this amazing work that God had done through them to bring them into salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, these are the stories of the saints that are in the church of Philippi. Amazing, aren't they? They're absolutely stunning stories. And we should be thankful that we get the privilege of, of knowing these stories and, and hearing these stories. That here you have this, um, this, this wealthy CEO named Lydia and her family. Her friends at the prayer meeting. You have the ex-possessed fortune teller lady. You have the jailer and his family. These are all stories of how the, uh, the gospel broke into their lives and brought them into relationship with God and each other. So it's no wonder that as Paul thinks about his stories, as he thinks back over his time in the city of, the city of Philippi, of how he is rejoicing over what God had done to save this church, to save these individuals. That's why he loves them so much. That's why he says in verse 3, I think my God 
for all my remembrances of you always in my prayer of mine, for all of you making my prayer with joy. That's why he says in verse 8, for God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And he closes the letter in chapter 4, verse 1, by calling them his joy and crown. So this is the deep affection that the gospel produces within us. And so as I was thinking of this passage and I was studying this passage and I was thinking about what Paul who experienced and as he was thinking about all the people that God used him to bring into the kingdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I know exactly what Paul is tasting. Because I love you with the same love that Paul had for the saints in the city of Philippi. And I know Jeremy has this deep affection for you. I know Ben and Matt, the elders of this church, the staff, we have this deep, deep, deep affection and love and joy for you. Why? Because we think about your story. We think about the way in which that God brought you, that he bought you, that he sought you, and that he saved you. I mean, as I look out among all of us this morning, I think about wealthy businessmen and women, how God broke into your life and how he saved you. I'm not sure we have any ex-fortune teller ladies in here, but I pray that one day we do. But as I look out among us, I see a bunch of people who were enslaved by something, right? At one time, maybe it was substance abuse. Maybe it was um, a painful past. Maybe it was this desire for all of us, desperately wanting someone to love us and approve of us and accept us and forgive us. And here we are, guys. Here we are together with the same story. And that story is that we have found a God who loves us. We have found a God who welcomes us. We have found a God who forgives us. We have found a God who restores us to the, to the person and the work of Jesus Christ, found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, it's the gospel that brings us together and it's the gospel that produces this love for one another unlike anything else because I can stand before you this morning and even though I have some family members, blood relatives in this place, that I love you more than I love my own family. And as I think about you, and as I think about us, and I think about what we get to experience now and together, guys, uh, the reality of our future together is one, that we get to experience the presence of God's presence and the joy that comes from that forever. Forever, us, together. We get to experience perfection we get to experience the new heavens and the earth. We get to experience life with no sin, the consequences of sin, that we won't taste that anymore, that we'll have this pure, perfect relationship with each other as a result of being united with Christ, united with him, united with each other, and perfection. This is our future together as a result of the gospel. And we get to experience that in the future, but we also get to experience it now. Not perfection, but we get to experience this love and affection that we have for each other as a result of the gospel. And so this is how I want us to close this morning. I know that we're running out of time. But I want to say this. As we, as we look at, as we continue through the series, as we look at the church in Philippi, as we, as we hear these stories, as we see Paul, 
Guys, one thing I want us to see really, really, really clearly is that as a result of the gospel, life is not about us anymore. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. It's about loving each other. It's about serving each other. It's about looking to the interests of others more than our own interests. And it's about looking to the city and together believing the hope that we have in the gospel and together we go from this place with the truth of the gospel and advance the gospel together in this city. That's what he's called us to as a church. That's what God's will for our lives is as followers of him, that together we find our hope in the gospel, which brings us together, and that together we see the power of the gospel that advances in the city and bringing others into his kingdom, into his church. This is the calling that he's placed upon us. And so I want us to think about that as we go throughout this week. I want us to think about how we can serve each other, how we can love each other, and how we can love and serve this city all because of who Jesus is and what he has done, bringing us together in the truth of the gospel, binding us together, and going in our missional communities and going and for the city to serve the city with the truth of the gospel. My hope and my prayer for us as we go throughout this series is that we will be amazed about what the gospel produces within us. And what the gospel produces within us is a people who love and serve each other really, really well and love and serve this city really, really well. Because we have a God who loves us and we have a God who loves this city and wants to use us to advance his kingdom and his glory in this city for the sake of his glory, amen? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful and thankful for the way in which you have broke into our lives, the way in which you have sought and saved us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, the way in which you created the first church in the city of Philippi, and the way in which you have formed this church, Providence Road, you have formed both through the gospel of your son. And so, Father, as we think about the way in which you have sought us and saved us, we give you thanks this morning, because we know that if you had not sought and saved us, the Father, we would be lost. We would be cut off from you. We'd have no hope in this life and the life to come. But you have given us great hope because of the grace that you have given to us. We are partakers of this grace together because of who you are and what you've done in our lives. And we thank you so, so very much for this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what I want us to do as we close our time together and as we celebrate by taking the Lord's Supper. Before Jesus went to his cro the cross, he was gathering his disciples and he takes the, the bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body which is going to be broken for you. And then he takes the, the cup and he says, this is my blood which is going to be shed and poured out for the forgiveness of sin. It's this truth of the person of Jesus Christ 
that Jesus Christ lived the life that none of us have lived, this perfect life in obedience to his Father. And we're going to see in chapter 2 of Philippians that his obedience, he humbled himself and went to, and went to the cross. He, he died the most humiliating death. Why? So that we could receive the grace that we have in him to have life and forgiveness and salvation and the person and work of Jesus Christ. So this is what I want us to do this morning. If you are in Christ, which means you are trusting in him for your only hope in this life and the life to come, you're trusting in Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to give you the righteousness that you need to be made right with him, and you are clinging to him as your only hope of salvation, I want you to take a moment and I want you to celebrate what God has done in your life to seek you and save you. Worship him. Thank him for his grace that he has poured out upon your life, that he is the one who enabled you to, to see and believe. Rejoice that you believe this morning. Rejoice in his grace that opens your eyes and enabled you to believe. Now listen, if you're here this morning and Jesus is something other than your only hope in this life and the life to come. Maybe he's a, 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 just a good teacher to you. Maybe he's just a historical figure that came to live a good life or, or whatever that may be. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one come to the Father except through him. Because the reality for you is, is that as a result of your sin, you are separated from God. That as a result of your sin, you cannot come into the presence of a holy and righteous God. That as a result of your sin, that you deserve to be separated from God. But in his great love, through the person of Jesus Christ, God has provided a way for you to come back into relationship with him, to be forgiven of all of your sin and be made right with him. That is the truth of the gospel. And God calls you through the gospel to believe. The jailer said, How, what, 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 what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, just believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe, receive the work that Jesus has done on your behalf. And if you receive it, you can be forgiven of your sin and brought into relationship with him, not based on what you have done, but based on the work of the person of Jesus Christ. Receive it. Confess your need for him. Confess your sin to him, and he will forgive you of all of your sin. That's his promise. So if, you, if you're sensing that something's taking place this morning in your heart, that you maybe believe for the first time, it's not your doing, it is the Holy Spirit giving you eyes to see and believe the truth about who Jesus is. Come to him. Receive him. If that describes you, you receive him, then come and take the Lord's Supper for the first time. But if that's not you, you need some time to continue to think about this person of Jesus, then take some time and listen to the last song. Reflect on what you have heard. But I invite you just to stay where you're at. For those who are in Christ and ready, when you're ready, come and take the Lord's Supper. There's stations up here and there's two stations in the back. When you're ready, come.